1: I can either hide those sins or we can confess and then run to God and get down on your knees and say, God, I'm sorry for the sins I've committed. And if you'll do that, when troubles come, He will rescue you. If you have questions, He will counsel you. But most importantly, you will be blessed. You will be set free. And He gives you these three things. He'll give you righteousness. He'll give you joy. And He will give you a song. And that's what this series is all about. Amen.
0: And we join him right now with today's message.
1: Pick up your Bibles and turn to Psalm chapter 32. I want to speak to you today on the subject of setting the captives free. And uh, when we think of the word captive, we usually think of people who are involved in a war and who've been captured. It might be those who are in jail, who are in prisons, those on death row, those in local and state penitentiaries. I would suggest to you that when Jesus talked about setting the captives free in Luke chapter four, verse 18, and really it's the heart and soul of what the year of Jubilee is all about, that setting the captives free is an analogy for those of us who've been captured by sin. Because it's possible for you to actually be in prison and behind bars with a life sentence without parole And yet to hear the message of Jesus Christ, even though you're behind bars, life without parole, you can actually be set free from your past and free from your sins. It's also possible for you to be here in church today and you do not live behind prison bars. You think that you're free, yet you are held hostage and you are in bondage. You are held captive by your sin. That's possible. If you're here today and you're a prisoner of debt, if you're a prisoner of doubt, if you're a prisoner of fear, if you're a prisoner of your past, if you're a prisoner of sin, that today you can be set free. I want you to write this down. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all of us have sinned. There's a whole list of things in the Bible that God wants you to do. He wants you to do this, 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 and you look at that and say, I know I'm supposed to, but I'm not going to do that. That'd be sin." Some things in the Bible God says do not, do not do this, do not do this, do not do this. And you look at that list and you go, hey, I know I'm not supposed to do that, but I'm going to do it anyway. That would be sin. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. The word wage is just like if you go get a job and you work, you earn. The, 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 The earnings of sin is death, the wages of sin, the penalty of sin is death. The result of sin is death. The consequences of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. We've all sinned, sin equals death. And what that means is physically, physically, whenever you engage in sin, it destroys your body here on earth physically. But it also means, death means that you are spiritually and eternally separated from God. And uh, sin, sin is what keeps you out of heaven. Sin is what sends someone to hell. And I want you to write this down. We all have a sin problem, all right? And the one person we know that sinned a lot was King David, who wrote Psalm 32. Number one, write this down. The possibilities to comprehend. If you're here today and you're held captive by sin, if you feel like you're in bondage to sin, the first thing you need to know is that you can be set free. It is possible. This is not a fairy tale. This is not make believe. It's possible. Look at verse 1, the very first seven words. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven. It's possible that everything you've ever said, everything you've ever done, and everything that you've ever thought, it's possible. The possibility exists that you can be forgiven. I want you to look at the very last line of verse 2. It says, And in whose spirit there is no what, deceit. What does that mean? Well, whenever you sin, first of all, it's in your heart. It's in your spirit, and then you go commit the sin. No one ever just commits a sin and go. What was that? No, it's always inside. You're thinking about it. It's in you. It's in your spirit, and then you go. Okay, and then you go commit the sin. All right. And and he's saying, not only will I forgive you. Oh, praise God. you can be forgiven, not only will I remove that from your record, but I'm going to get rid of all the residue of that sin, that deceit that's still in your heart. Even that can be removed. Can someone say, praise God. The possibilities to comprehend. Number two, write this down. There is pain and consequences though. And David says in verse three, when I kept silent, when you hold that in, verse three, he said, my bones, my bones, what happened to his bones? they wasted away. Now don't forget who's writing this. This is King David. He was in shape. He was an outdoorsman. He liked to hunt lions and bears and he took after the sheep. He could spend all night on the hillsides. He was a rugged outdoorsman. He was hearty. He was healthy. He was also happy. Did you know that? David David was known as the guy in Israel that could sing. He wrote all these songs and he could, I mean, he was the singer. He was the first Israeli idol is what he was, all right? That's what he was. He was known all over Israel as a kid that could sing. And yet here it says in verse 3, when I kept silent about my sin, this big, hearty, healthy, happy man, he says, my bones just wasted away and through my groaning all day long. Verse 4 He says, for day and night, he says, God's hand was heavy upon me. David wants you to know that there are some pain and some consequences when you hold that sin in. That will destroy you physically and it also will destroy you for eternity. But praise God for number three. Write this down. Purity comes from confession. I want you to look in your Bible, verse 5, and tell me what is the first word. Just one word. What's the first word? Then. Everybody say the word then. What are we talking about? Here's David. He's the king. He sees a cute girl. He calls her up to the palace. She gets pregnant. He calls for her husband to come home. He refuses to sleep with her, so he's in trouble. He sends the husband back to the front lines where Uriah is killed. Everyone will just assume that they slept together. So David thinks he's, he's covered his sin. And as we've studied this and pieced it all together for about 12 months, for an entire year, David has held this sin and no one knows about it. There's no place you can run. There's no place you can hide. God sees all. God knows all. God understands all. When you, when you stole that money, God knew you stole that money when you're engaged in sexual immorality, god knows about that sexual immorality when you give that word of gossip that juicy word of slander against someone god knows that the cursing or the joke or wherever you're whatever you're doing that's wrong god knows about all that confessing it is not the secret confession is when you say this lord i confess you're acknowledging god that i have done wrong and i'm sorry you are a holy god and i'm not going to commit those sins anymore i'm going to turn from my sin and I'm going to turn to you. That's what that means. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Uh, look, at, look at verse 5. When I acknowledge my sin to you, this says you've got to confess your sins to God. And God, it says, and you will forgive me of my sin and the guilt of my sin. You say, preacher, that's the Old Testament. Well, don't you know that everything in the Old Testament points to the New Testament? Look at this verse in 1 John 1, 9. If, everybody say the word if. if. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just, I'm neither, I'm not faithful or just. I'll tell you that right now. Only person I know that's faithful and just is God. It says that if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just. And he will forgive us of our sins and he will purify us from all unrighteousness which leads me to point number four all right all right (laughs) write this down that god's provisions lead me to a time of celebration you see i i'm going to sum all this up because i don't have time to go through all the text but it's all there i wrote it down in your notes so you can look at it Uh, this does not apply to people who have who have secret sins where god's hand is upon you this applies to those of you that will acknowledge those sins and confess those sins to god god's gonna do all these things he says when the waters rise he will rescue you when you get in trouble he says i will protect you when you get lost i will instruct you and when you have questions he said i will counsel you and the last three verses he basically says it's up to you verse 9 write this down it's in the bible he says you can be a donkey if you want to now if i was with my buddies just some guys and we were having a little bible study i would probably use another word for donkey but i'm in mixed company and there's children here so i'm just going to keep it a donkey all right but david says if you want to keep that sin inside keep god's heavy hand If you don't want forgiveness and freedom and to be set free, you know what you are? (laughs) You're you're like a donkey. That's what it says. That's in the Bible, verse 9. Or he says, look at verse 10, write this down. If you don't want to be like a donkey, he says you can put your trust in God's unfailing love. Because you see, it's God's unfailing love that forgives me. It's God's unfailing love that removes my sin. It's God's unfailing love that put Jesus on the cross. It's God's unfailing love that he blesses me. It's God's unfailing love that my sins will no longer count against me. So I have a choice. I can either hide those sins and those sins wear me down they wear us out god's heavy hand upon us or we can confess and acknowledge and quit hiding the sin go apologize to those you need to apologize and then run to god and get down on your knees and say god i'm sorry for the sins i've committed i'm not going to be engaged in that any longer i want to serve you for the rest of my life and if you'll do that when troubles come he will rescue you if you have questions he will counsel you but most importantly you will be blessed you will have freedom you will be set free and he gives you these three things in the last verse write them down he'll give you righteousness not your righteousness, his righteousness. Because your righteousness ain't good enough. He'll give you righteousness. He'll give you joy. Everybody say joy. And he will give you what? A what? A song. And that's what this series is all about. Amen? I want to close by telling you a true story about a kid named Louie. Everybody say Louis. Louis was born in in 1917, the son of Italian immigrants, and moved in 1919 to Torrance, California. How many of you know where Torrance, California is? It's right past the airport. His whole life he was in trouble, got beat up, got chased around, He got in a lot of trouble. He's a fighter. And then uh, his brother made him go out for the track team just to keep him out of trouble. So Louis goes to the high school track team. They found out he's a really good runner. So good, so good, he sets an international, national, interscholastic world record in high school, running the mile. Somehow... He gets a scholarship to USC. (laughs) In college, he sets the collegiate world record in the mile run. He goes to the 1936 Olympics in Berlin, Germany and rooms with Jesse Owens, a little Italian immigrant, son of Italian, named name is Louis Zamperini. This is all about 19. That was 36. About 1941, World War II's going on. Louis uh, and signs up for the United States Armed Forces and becomes a part a part of a a flight crew flying B-24s. And one day, his plane crashes 800 miles south of the Pacific Ocean, south of you know where the Hawaiian Islands are. His plane goes down 800 miles south of Hawaii in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. The plane crashes. Somehow he he survives the crash, but he's in a seatbelt, and he's got all these cable cords around him in the wreck, and he's stuck, and he's trying to unfree himself, and he can't do it. The plane starts to go down. He takes a big breath. After all, he was an Olympic runner. He's got big lungs takes a big breath of air and the plane starts to sink and he goes I can't believe this I I survived a plane crash in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and now I'm going to drown and he passes out and he doesn't know what happened something happened to him and he he came through and he was was completely free and he swims up to the top and another piece is coming down and gets caught on his ring his USC ring that's why you should never wear a USC ring (laughs) and uh it takes him back down. He's got to pull himself up against the gravity of the plane, pulls himself, unhooks the ring, and swims to the top. He gets up there in the waves. There's water. There's oil. There's a, some engines part of, part of the plane. He looks over. He sees two of the, two of the 12, two other guys of the 12 guys survived. The other guys all died. And he looks over and he sees a raft. He's got to make a choice. Do I go to my buddies or I go to the raft? I go to the buddies, we're all three going to die. If I can catch that raft, we might have a chance. So he starts swimming. He's an Olympic swimmer, Olympic runner, got lungs. He swims, he swims, but the raft goes further and further away. Someone had tied a 100-foot rope, though, on the end of the raft, and he sees the rope going by, and he reaches out, and he grabs the very end of the rope, and he rescues, pulls himself, gets in. The whole book, there's a book written about this called Unbroken. Without a knife, no food, and no water. Well, they had, they had some candy bars, but the first night, one of those two guys ate all the candy bars the first night. <laughs> so now they have no food. The longest anyone who'd ever survived the middle Pacific Ocean in a raft was like 25, 26 days. Louis Zamperini, in fact the guy that ate the chocolate he ended up dying. They drifted for 47 days, some 2000 miles. Everyone in the United States government, his family, everyone assumes that they're dead because you wreck in the middle of the ocean. No one knows where you are. For four or five years, he's a prisoner of war where every day he's beaten, he's kicked, he's tortured. When they picked him off off the raft after 47 days, he weighed 86 pounds. Every day he's beaten, he's kicked. They gave him a ball of rice every day. They threw it in the... uh, um, the outhouse and he had to go in the outhouse and pick out one grain of rice at a time just to try to survive for four or five years he was tortured every day we finally dropped the bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki and he set free he comes home his family can't believe he's alive because they assumed he was gone you know some of them did some of them didn't but he's alive He gets married to a beautiful girl. They have a baby, but he starts having flashbacks, post-war syndrome. He starts drinking, he becomes an alcoholic. His life is going down the tubes. He wakes up one night, he's choking his wife. He wakes up the next night, he's choking his baby. And so the wife takes the the baby and leaves. She comes back to file divorce. He wants his signature on the divorce papers. Right then, there was a young, 30-year-old man, 30 years old, a man by the name of Billy Graham who was having his very first crusade right here in the city of Los Angeles in 1949, right over on Pico Street. There was a big field near Washington. He put up a tent that seated about 3,000. We have 9,000 in our tent, a tent that sat 3,000. No one knew who Billy Graham was. The editor of the LA Times, uh, William Randolph Hearst, sent a two-word telegram to his editor, and the two words were Puff Graham puff Graham what does that mean no he told the editor write an article and build up this young evangelist so in the LA Times they wrote this big article about this evangelist and the crusade that was supposed to only last three weeks and no one was going ended up lasting eight weeks and some 350,000 people went to that crusade right here in Los Angeles and Billy Graham became well known as she comes back to sign the divorce papers the next door neighbor in a little tiny apartment a young couple who'd been hearing them fight through the night said we're going to the crusade tonight why don't you go and Louis Zamperini decided he would go just so maybe his wife would stick around and the first night he sits there Billy Graham stands up and starts talking about there's a God who loves you no matter what you've done how many times you've sinned God can forgive you of your sins during the invitation Louis Zamperini stands up he takes his wife's hand and goes let's go we're leaving they come to the end and they leave. That next night, all night long they fight. She begs, she begs, go back with me one more time. And Louis uh, Zamperini finally says, You know what? I'll go under one condition. And they said, Watch that. She sa- he said, If during the invitation we can leave again. And so she said, Okay. And again, the second night in that tent with all those people, Billy Graham starts talking about no matter what you've done in your past, that God has a purpose, God has a plan for your life. God can remove and forgive you of your sins and clean you up and you can have a brand new beginning, a brand new start. And they started to sing the invitation and he takes his wife's hand and says, let's go just because that was the deal. And they're walking down the road to get to the aisle and they get to the very end. And God put something in Louis Zamperini's head. It was a prayer that he had prayed when he was in the middle of the Pacific Ocean floating on that raft for 47 days. He recalled a prayer that he prayed where he said, God, if you ever get me off this raft, I will serve you for the rest of my life. And they got to the end. Instead of leaving, he turns and he goes forward and he gives his life to Jesus Christ. And from that moment on, he said he never had another flashback. He never had another drink. God removed all the anger and the bitterness that was in him. He spends the rest of his life traveling the world, telling others about the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. Stay with me. Hold on. For the last five years, on Sunday afternoons, I've been going to eat at a Mexican restaurant in, on Western Street called El Cholo. el cholo there's a plaque it's been there since 1927 it's not too far from torrance and just about five six months ago i was in there eating and i looked back in the corner and there was this little old man in the corner and he was signing books and i said to the wait waiter i said who's who is that they go you don't know who that is i go no because i'd never heard that story i just told you he said he said that's louis zamparini And he's got this book called Unbroken, and he's out there signing signatures. I went back and I shook the man's hand. I want you to know he's 95 years old, he's still alive, and he's still today telling others about the amazing grace of Jesus Christ.
0: It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. Four seven seven seven. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. Wouldn't it be great if there were accessible answers to our spiritual problems? Just like there's a smartphone app for calculating a tip or getting directions to a local store. Most of us have heard the phrase, there's an app for that, popularized by the creators of the iPhone. Well, God has an app for the common problems faced by Christians everywhere. Are you stressed out? God has an app for that. Problem with crude language or gossip? Struggling with prejudice? Brokenhearted? Anxious? Or depressed? God has an app for that too. Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, is available now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This helpful resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number 888-818-4777 That number again is 888-818-4777 You can also get God Has an App for That on our website, liftupjesus.com That address again is liftupjesus.com Come and explore the book of James and discover God's user-friendly solutions for some of the biggest challenges we all face daily. Get your copy of Pastor Dudley's book, God Has an App for That, today. Hello friends, my name is Dusty Frizzell, and I want to invite you to our new Thursday night service at Shepherd Church. That's right, we're adding a fourth service starting May 5th. Worship service starts at 7 p.m., and it's for all ages, but we're going to have food trucks before the service. In the first few weeks, the food is going to be free, We'll be following the same sermon series as the weekends, and you'll hear from myself, from some of my friends, and even from Pastor Dudley. So if you'll be gone on a weekend or you just want to open up some seats for others on the weekends, join us on Thursdays starting May 5th at 7 p.m. I hope to see you there. All information on dates, service times, and locations can be found on our website, shepherdchurch.com.